This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. There we go. So now, um, this is paused. Okay. So, we're going to talk, Parshas Toldos. Parakov Zayim Puzzle Gimel. It says, So this is obviously toward the end of the Parsha. Yaakov Avinu and Esav go up to Yitzhak and Yitzhak Avinu tells them that he wants them to, wants Esav, I'm sorry, to go hunting in order to get his bracha. He says, And now, Lift up your weapons. Your sword or your quiver and your bow. And you should go out to the field and trap for me a trapped animal. An animal that is normally trapped. Now, the wording of the Pasig is Vitsuda li tseida. You should trap for me tseida, something that is in a trap. That's the idea behind it. But tsayid is the word that we read it as. We take out the hay as if it's not there. Then, Vaselamatamin, you should make for me tasty food, said Yitzchavino Keshurahafti, like the ones that I love. You should bring it to me and I will eat it so that my soul can bless you before I die. The questions are so crazy here. Number one, what, he's telling him how to hunt? Asaph didn't know how to hunt. The Asaph has to tell him, this is what you should do. You should take your sword. You should take your weapons. Like, what, what is he telling him over here? That's number one. Number two, Tzudalit Tzayid. You should trap for me a trapping, an animal that gets trapped. Tzudalit Behema. Tzudalit Chaya. That's what you should trap for me. That's what you should do over there. Number three, why is he asking for this? Why does he need a trapped animal? Why not go to the goats? That's what Yaakov Avinu brought anyway. He brought two goats. So why are you going all the way over there to go get something from the field? You should just bring two goats and ask him for that. Number four, mat'amim, these sweet foods. What is Yitzchak Avinu asking for? That kasher hafti, the ones that I love. What does that mean? Why is Yitzchak Avinu saying that I want something I love? Why can't he just have something normal to be able to eat? And then bavur she said, my soul will bless you. How does your soul soul bless anybody and then it says betar mamus and that's another thing where do we ever see anything like this well tanakh and midrashim shas anywhere where do we ever see a bracha being given in such a way that it must be given with a bracha we don't see this anywhere this whole ex- this whole concept doesn't exist where you have to do something in order to get a bracha and only after that will you get the bracha it doesn't exist what is shot over here what is going on and the fact that it's so crazy no one does this ever again this is the only time it ever happened so what's shot so Rashi says, Yitzhavinu specifically asked for his animal to be brought to him and trapped because he wanted it shechted well with a sharpened knife. That's sonna keilacha, he says, is you should sharpen your knife and it should be from hefker and not stolen. Which again gets you asking, did he really think that Esau was going to bring a blunt knife, shecht it improperly and steal it and then bring it to Yitzchak Avinu? Was that really what he was wondering? And if he didn't know, let's say he didn't have any idea what was going on with Esau. Let's say that Yitzchak was totally fooled and he thought he was the greatest tzaddik in the world. Would you say that to a tzaddik? You go up to somebody you think is a great tzaddik, someone better than your other son, Yaakov Avinu, and you would say to him, make sure it's not stolen. Make sure it's not shechted improperly. Well, what are you doing? Obviously, it's like that. And aside from that, we already know that Sayyid Bifiv, Esau, had the trappings in his mouth. He was able to feed food to Yitzchak and Yitzchak you know, ate from his hand. So we know that he shechted for him before. Why all of a sudden is he worried about improper shechita now? So the Gorari says, 
Cheskes Kashrus by Esav. Esav is a Cheskes Kashrus. He wasn't norm- He wasn't worried normally that he was going to shecht him proper and bring something to him. But what was the one thing that Esav was known for in the mitzvah that he kept better than anyone else ever? Give it up. Give it up. Everybody knows that, right? If Yitzchak says, bring me food, Esav's going to run out and run back. He's going to be as quick as he can. He's going to do things so quickly. And you know, everybody here knows it's not easy to trap an animal. It's not easy to shecht an animal. It's not easy to skin an animal. It's not easy to cook an animal and cut it up and then cook it. And then it's not easy to serve your father. It's going to take a long time. If Yitzchak Avinu said this to Esav, Esav is going to do it in the quickest possible way because that's what Kibbutz is. You want to get it to him as hurriedly as possible. He therefore told him, don't be so makbid on the time. I don't care if you're quick. I want you to slow down. I want you to do it. Take your time. Do it properly. And that's why he said, I'm even okay with you sharpening your knife before and if that's what you need. Don't do anything crazy, he said. I don't want you to do stuff like that. I'm worried about you doing. Just make sure you bring me the food when you can. Make sure that it's all shechted properly. So that's number one. He wasn't worried that he was going to shecht it improperly. He's worried that in his hurriedness to get it to him, he might forget about something important. Yeah, Ethan. He had trapped beforehand. So yeah. If he did it for him before, then shouldn't that same reason He did it on his own time, where he came into the house and he said, Here, Dad, look what I found for you. Here, Yitzchak is asking for it. And this might be the first time Yitzchak ever asked for food. They say about Ramosha Feinstein, they say uh, they had a whole Shiloh, they asked Rib David Feinstein, they asked, Rev. David, can you open up a refrigerator door on Shabbos? Everybody knows there's issues with the motor turning on, off, whatever. So they asked Rev. David, would you turn on, would you open up a refrigerator door on Shabbos? He said, if the motor's running, then I would open it up. If the motor's not running and it might go on, then I wouldn't open it up. That was Rev. David's answer. They said, what did your father do? What did Ramosha Feinstein do? So Rev. David thought and he said, I don't remember my father ever opening up the refrigerator door in his life, let alone on Shabbos. If they brought food to him to the table, he would eat it. But he never went to the fridge. You know how you go to the fridge and you're like wondering what's going on. Maybe I could take that. I know it's my kids. Maybe I should steal it anyway. That Ramosha never did that. Ramosha never opened up the refrigerator door. I, I, I could say that I didn't open up the refrigerator door one day in my life. But that, 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 it's an unbelievable thing. So that's the idea. The Yitzhavinu never asked for this before. It's the first time. Yeah. Already, I mean, you would think Yitzhavinu would already have it trapped up. The traps. Yeah, that could be also. That could be also. But he didn't. He it, it, there wasn't obviously. In the end, by the way, that was fortuitous for Yaakov because it ended up being good. The fact that he had to wait so long to bring the shlita and do everything took a long time to get everything through. The Chassam Sofer says something totally different. Yitzchak was worried that Esav, not that he would feed him something usher, but that Esav's wives would be involved. Esav's wives worshipped the Borazar. That was one of the reasons why Yitzchak went blind. And because of that, the knife that he used, that Esav used, could have sham. Nunis de Isser, some type of little bits and pieces on it that would be filled with something of Avurazara or something that's Usser. And therefore he suggested sharpen it, get rid of that Isser, get rid of that not kosherness that's on it, get rid of the outer layer of the knife and make it kosher again. That's what the Chassam Sofer says. There is the by the way, that you can sharpen a knife, get rid of the outer layer and the rest of it would be kosher. It's hard by our knives that they're so thin, but back then that would have been okay. Divri Shoal says something very similar that he knew that Esau was going to be the way, but this is the halacha. The halacha is you must check your shechita knife every time before you shecht. You cannot go in thinking that it's kosher from the time before. And therefore, because of that, sonna kelacha was not that he was thinking you're going to shecht for me something improper, but says to Divri Shoal, this was a stam line that you say to everybody before they shecht, 
make sure it's sharpened properly. So it wasn't out of anything like that, of thinking that he was, an, uh, he was a terrible person or anything like that. Just simply put, he would have said this to Yaakov also, make sure your knife is perfect. That's three answers as to what he was worried about, so to speak, by saying, sharpen your knife. The Mizrahi says the craziest thing in the world. Yeah. What about traps? Tra- it, it, we're still going in the Shrita part. So he hasn't gone into the traps yet. Oh, the, the trap might be a more- the, yeah, we haven't gone into the traps yet. We haven't gone into the traps yet, but that's that itself. Mizrahi. The Rabbi Leo Mizrahi says that Esau was amazing with his bow and arrow and was able to shecht birds on the fly. Shecht birds on the fly. Now, the halacha is, is that when you do shechita, the knife, you always have to go back and forth, back and forth when shechting an animal. You can't get to the neck. You've got to go back and forth so you get both, the esophagus and the windpipe. Even though birds, you only really need to do one, rove of one, but we make sure to do both. Right? And you keep going right, as much as you can to make sure that you're shechting it properly. In theory, you can shecht it with one molich or one maybe. In theory, you could do it. Lichachil, we don't. But b'diavit, it does work. If you are an expert shochet with a perfect knife and you know how to shoot something perfectly, you're able to get it completely and you go and you check it afterward and you see, oh, I just did shecht it properly, then that does count as a shechita and it does work. And apparently Esav, says the Mizrahi, knew how to do it. The only issue is chalada, but you're able to get around it, whatever it is, but he did it. Yitzchak said, this time, don't do that. And that's what he meant by take all of your weapons with you. Make sure you have everything with you because I don't want you doing that. I don't want to have even a shash of a non-kosher shechita here. Make sure that it's a proper shechita for me, not something where it could be shechted properly because you're going to do something crazy like that. But then Achaz Yaakov says, hold on a second. That works for birds. Who says that worked by animals? By an animal? Who says that you could shoot an arrow and checked it properly on the run? Who says he was able to do something like that? The fact that he was doing that, so it must be he was planning on, it's not impossible, it can happen. It can happen, but it's extremely difficult. Much more difficult because the, th- the skin is so much thicker. No, but you mentioned the arrowhead relative to cutting through the robe of the esophagus and the, and the windpipe would be impossible. It would be nearly impossible. It's not impossible. It would just be yeah, nearly impossible. Nachlas Yaakov says, I don't know how it would be, how, how you could do it, but in theory, it could still be possible. But it could be to use the bow and arrow to hit the animal in an area that would not make it a trefa, but would knock it down to the ground. Then he would go, it would slow it down a little bit, he'd go and he'd shecht it properly, and that's why he would need his bow and arrow as well as his sword. He'd need all three things, the bow and arrow in order to shoot the animal to knock it down, and then afterward the sword in order to get it down like that. But the tourist says something different. He says, no, no, no. He didn't shuck the animals on the run or anything like on the fly. He trapped animals with his mouth. Apparently, Asav would talk to the animals and was able to make them stop. They would listen to him and he would trap them. Bifiv. Kid Sayed Bifiv. Now, there is a medrash in Seder Adoros that brings down that he had the Kusnos ore of Adamarisham. Now, what was the Kusnos ore of Adamarisham? One of the opinions is it was the snakeskin. What was the snakeskin? Well, the snake originally was the king of all the animals. Because it was the king of all the animals, it had a skin that had pictures of every single animal on it. I, I guess it could, in theory, be right now, like all that snakeskin that they have right now, right? It always looks to me like it's one of those 3D things where you look right up close and you see it and like you pull out and it's just not. I've never been ever able to see anything through those little pictures. Maybe the snakeskin originally had that and you could see everything from it. I have absolutely no idea. But either way, the snakeskin was off. It went down to Adamarishan. Adamarishan had it and any animal that saw that skin immediately bowed down to Adamarishan and did anything that Adamarishan wanted him to do. That skin eventually went to Chanoch uh, and that Chanoch, that 
skin went from Chanukh to Mesushelach. Mesushelach gave it to Noach. That's how Noach got all the animals to go on the Teva. It was stolen by Chum on the Teva. Chum gave it over to his grandson Nimrod. Nimrod used it to become the ultimate trapper. When Esav killed Nimrod, right, on the day that his father, his grandfather Avram Avinu died, on that day he grabbed the cloak and he had the cloak and he had it at all times. He was the one using it, etc. So the Torah says that's how he was able to trap. He was able to use it and it became the greatest hunter on earth after Nimrod. That was Esav and how he became such a good guy. Performance enhancing yeah, code. Right, this is an argument I don't know if I can make. So, <laughs> and I'm not so sure I would be able to do that. But I, either way, regardless, he was telling him not to use the coat, to use it in a different way. And we'll explain that a little bit more. Now, regarding Gezel, okay, why was he suspecting him of stealing? That he said to him, I don't want you to take, you, I don't want you to take it from something stolen. Says the Gurari in the Bear of Asada, he never imagined that Asa was going to bring him something stolen. He never thought it was going to be stolen. But he wasn't going to be Machbed on Suffolk Gezel. Maybe he wouldn't be Machbed on Gezel Midorabonon, like a field that was nearby and questionable if it was owned by somebody or not. Maybe people would be Machbed if they hunt in their area. Maybe that he wouldn't be Machbed on. To that, Yitzchak Yitzchak told Esav, I know you think it's important to serve me. And you might think like this, Kibrava aim is a deal raisa. But tra- going at an, at getting an animal that belongs to somebody in a Suffolk Gizela issue is only a Dorabanan. Dorai said, Dorabanan, I'm going to listen to my father, so I'm going to take a Suffolk Gezel. Said Yitzhavinu, no, I don't want you to do that. Don't take anything that's even a Suffolk Gezel, anything that's Gezel Midorabanan. I only want this. That in and of itself. The Kliakar also asks, why would you only say about it right, right now? What's the shop behind it? And we know. The meat was there for Yitzchak to Think properly. For whatever reason, the same way that later on we see Nevi'im need music in order to get their mood up, in order to be able to do what they need to do, Yitzchak Avinu, in order to get his Nevi'ah down, to be able to bless Esau properly, he needed some type of Simcha, Simcha Saguf, that would allow him to be able to shecht it properly. And therefore, for that reason, he turned and he said, I need this meat. He asked specifically for this meat. And because of that, he needed it to be a proper shechita and not stolen. If it's stolen, nothing will happen. I won't be able to do anything with this. And that's what he told him over here. It's going to be terrible for me. The Moshe of Zikanim says this was the Korban Pesach. And we all know the Korban Pesach cannot be from something that is stolen. The, it, the wording of the Pesach is Mishchu u'kachu mikem. You should take for yourselves. This is what you should get for yourself. And that's the shot behind what it, was, what, what it was supposed to be. Therefore, you cannot steal it. It can't be like that. It's got to be of your own thing. Wait, yeah. If it's the Korban Pesach, why is he going and getting a chaya? So that's already the kasha that's asked by the different Rishonim, right? The Mizrat, Moshe of Zikanim doesn't like it for that reason. But regardless, at least you could say it's possible that what he was saying is, is that this isn't exactly the Korban Pesach of Mitzrayim. So they didn't have the goat and sheep yet. So we wanted to have something that tasted good and that was the venison. Some type of chaya that would be out there. The Chsam Sofer says something. Hey, does anybody know there's, a min, there's an Indian not to benefit from other people ever? That you don't get any benefit from anyone without paying for it. There's an ending like that. Repinchas bin Yoyer. Sone Matanus Yechia is basically the line. Repinchas bin Yoyer is in Chulin Dav Zion. He refused to get any benefit from a single person in the world. And Rabbi Yudanasi invited him over and he said yes. <laughs> Rabbi Yudanasi, Rabbi Yudanasi said, Can you eat by my house? Repinchas bin Yoyer said, Yes, I'll eat by your house. Rabbi Yudanasi was all happy. Repinchas bin Yoyer said, What are you so worried about? The reason why I don't eat by other people is because usually the person either doesn't have enough money and can't afford it, or he doesn't really want to give me. You, you have enough money and you really want to give me, so I'll eat by you. In the end, Rapunzel's Vineyard didn't eat by Rabbi Danasi because he saw those white-legged mules that were there and he refused to eat by them, the Kudnaisa, right? He wouldn't eat by them. But 
But regardless, there's an Indian. A tzaddik doesn't benefit from other people. We learn it from Shmuel and Avi. If those who do benefit, they benefit small, like Elisha. Yitzchak refused to benefit from someone else without it being his. So you know what he told them? It's a brilliant line, says the Chassam Sofer. Tzuda li tzayid. He said to Esav, I want you to trap for me the trapped animal. Meaning, I don't want you to feed me something that's yours. I want you to trap it, lishmi, for me. Lishem li, for, for me, so that it becomes mine when you trap it. And it's, it's, it's mine when you trap it. Then later on, when I eat from it, I'm not eating from you, I'm eating from me. So what's his shot? I don't want you to give me something that's stolen. For him, for somebody like Yitzchak, if he would eat Esau's food, it would be like it's stolen. So he said, don't let it be yours. Tuda lead side. Have me in mind when you trap it and be it for me. And that way it's mine all the way through. Yeah. Just, just, give, just tell him to give me the animal and I'll show. Meaning the Kenyan? Yitzchak was sick enough that he was in bed or whatever it was. So I guess he couldn't make the Kenyan. Or maybe he wanted him to make the Kenyan beforehand or stay out and do it himself. This is an easier way. That way is good. Yeah. By, by um, Yaakov, um, by the, the lentils. Yeah. So how he was cooking them for his father. Mm-hmm. So either they were his father's and he had no right mm-hmm. to sell them. Yeah. Which means, so how could he sell them to Esau? The right, the right to the... the if he oh, the that's a good question. Father, I hear the question. He and if he didn't make the candidate's father, how is his father... No, I hear the father? question. That's good. Maybe that's actually a great question. No, 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 that's a really good question. If it, if you, you can get around it, but it's a good call. That might be a proof that Yitzchak Vinun did use something that belonged to other people. Because otherwise he didn't have the right to. That's a good call. No, no, I like that. That's a good proof. That's a good, good proof against this shot. Yeah. What do you have, Paul? You can be zolch as something for someone else if it's good for them. So meaning if I find a mitzvah and I know it's good for my brother Rafi, I can pick it up for him and say, this is for Rafi. That's fine. You can do that for him. There's no issue with that. As long as I have him in mind, then it automatically counts that I can do it. What's up, Haas? Nichol. Yeah, as long as it's Nichol. As long as it's something that he wants. Right. It's got to be something good. You can't just do it stam. It's got to be something good. The Ben Ishchai says something brilliant. I've never heard such a thing. He says this on Deris Elio. I, I was lucky to even look at the safer that Deris Elio. But the Ben Ishchai says this. I was shocked. Absolutely shocked. You know what he says? He says, Asa was born under the mazel of Madim, under Mars. Under Mars. That's why the red planet. That's why he was filled with red. Why he always loved red. Why he was always blood red, etc. The Gemara says, if you're born under this mazel, it's Gemara Shabbos. If you're born under the mazel of Madim, if you're born under Mars, you are going to be a Ganev, or a murderer, or a mole, or a shochet. But you're going to be a Ganev. So it's likely that Esav wouldn't try to steal, but he was just, his propensity was to steal. It was sort of like automatic. It was his mazel. Therefore, his father told him, don't take it for yourself. Do it for my sake. And if it's under my mazel then it won't be something that's stolen, even a suffix that it's stolen. If you keep it under you, then it'll be under your mazel and it'll be there. But if you're doing it for me, then it'll be under my mazel and my mazel will make sure that it'll be a proper thing. It doesn't matter because that's like an evid to a master. The same way the Jews didn't have their own mazel when they were in Mitzrayim, right? Because they were under the master. It would be the same thing if Esau did it for Yaakov. He would be under the mazel of Yaakov. You know, I've never heard such a thing before, but it's brilliant. That is is how it works. This is how you do. I can't I, it's not about, no, no, no. It's because his propensity was to steal within his mazel. Even if he didn't think about it, he would somehow find something that was, would end up being stolen. He said, yeah, he said, yes, love you. So don't do that. Don't let that happen. Yeah. I thought his mazel was to spill blood. Spill blood, yeah. 
Ganev Shochet. Ganev could also be listed Mizuyan. But Ganev is one of the four. That is mentioned by Rabbah over there. On the other hand, we see from the next Rashi that Esau was not going to listen to the request at all. He said, Lahavi, I want to bring, meaning if I won't find anything in the fields, I'm willing to bring anything I can find. And in the end, according to the Medrash, he brought a dead dog. And he served that to Yitzhavinu. Yitzhavinu didn't eat because he already ate by Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu brought him the stuff. But nonetheless, that's what he ended up doing. He ended up bringing something that was there. Esav came and said he returned from the, from the hunt. He had food. But he didn't, he didn't say that this food was what he had hunted. He ended up saying, yeah, I have food. He, it, it, it's unbelievable. Since HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't want a tzaddik to eat something that's improper, he was misabib that Rivka overheard the request and that Yaakov came in first and that everything was finished before that time. That's why Yaakov, you know, Yitzchak you know, felt Gehenim when Esav walked in. Why is it Gehenim? Because he told him, don't steal. And nonetheless, Esav, not only did he steal, but he lied and he doesn't feel about it. It's literally as if Gehenim was coming in with him. That's how bad it was what he was doing over here. The Be'er Basada says before Yitzhak went blind, Esav used to trap things for him all the time. He used to trap the animals, but he wouldn't shech them. He would give it over to Yitzhak or somebody in the household, and they would shecht. Yitzchak, before he was blind, was the shochet. He would shochet shecht everything himself, seemingly because he didn't trust Esav's shechita. Because he didn't trust Esav's shechita. Now that he was blind, he told his son, you're going to have to do it yourself. And at this point, now this is the first time that he had been blind and he wanted meat. So he turned to Esav and said, you're the shochet now. So let me tell you how to do it. That's the reason why I told him, sharpen your knife and do everything through. Meaning up until now, he didn't trust him either. He never trusted Esau. This is a totally different shot than what we've been saying. He didn't trust him. But now he was really going to have to worry because this is the time when it comes in. That's the Paneach Raza as well. Either Yitzchak or Rivka shechted. It is mutter for a woman to shecht, although it depends, right? But while Esau only trapped the animals, says the Paneach Raza, this is the first time that Esau was going to shecht, and that's why Yitzchak told him what to do. Why wouldn't Rivka just shecht it right now? Same thing. Rivka wasn't going to be available for Esau. Yeah. Why Why? Why Go to Yaakov. Yeah, Yaakov could have done it also. Right. I, I'm not bothered by any of these questions. Yeah, but he wanted Esav to do it for him, except for he brought it out. The Chizkuni says, yeah? I was going to say, doesn't Rashi say that Esav had the best of, of anybody? Yeah. So then, isn't this going against, like, he's doing what against Yitzhak, or is it, how is that down with your father? I don't, I don't understand. Maybe doing an Avera is going against your father's will? Is that what you're trying to say? For Yitzhak. Doesn't want him to do that. I, I hear you. It's not an issue of uh, maybe there's an issue of kibud av if you're doing something in your father's face that's against Allah. But doing an avera does not mean you're automatically also over on kibud av. That doesn't make any sense. Why? for for himself or for no, someone for else? His father. For his father. I, I, I'm not so sure where you're going with this. So therefore, what? So therefore, then he's not watching Rashi say, Rashi say he has the best people. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. All right, let's go on. The Chizkuni. Ace of it changed. Ace of it totally changed. He went from what he was to something totally different now. Before, he might have been from, and he might have been shechting, and everything might have been good, and everything was all good. But now he had become a kofer. At what point and when exactly and whatever it was, I don't know. I don't know when that was exactly. But this is the first time they had to warn him. The Moshe Zakanim, the Paneach Raza, the Riyami Orleans, they all see the exact same thing. And they say that the only reason why 
Yitzchuk was offering the brachas to Esav, even though he knew he was bad. And I know we, we've been saying before, he's a cheskes kashras, he's been good. But they're saying the only reason why they offered it right now is because of Akara Satov. Meaning Esav was getting these brachos only from Akara Satov. Not because he deserved them and not because he did anything good, but rather because Esav was willing to put his life in danger to hunt for his father, willing to do anything for his father, and he served with all these chashiva clothing in front of his father. So because he was willing to do that, therefore, he said, okay, you deserve this. I'm going to give you something extra for this, and that's exactly what he did. Razida Mayer says something amazing. Certainly, Yitzchok Avinu understood what kind of a person Esav was. No question. The Arizal says that every person on their forehead has their sins written up. So if a person knows how to read it, I would be able to look at every single person here and I would tell you exactly what you did, what you did, what you didn't do, the different problems that people have. The Arizal says he was able to see it. It has to do with the Gemara Shabbos, Nun Hamad Aleph with Gavriel and the letter Tough. If anybody's read through that Gemara, that's what it has to do with. There's no question Yitzhak was able to see Esav, and he looked at Esav, and he saw the stuff on his forehead. He was able to see the Averas that were right there before he became blind. So there's no question that Yitzhak Avinu, although he, was, he, he, he knew something, there's no question he saw it. But there was one mitzvah that we know Esav did beautifully, Kibbut of Aim. And in a way, Kibbut of was so great it made Yitzchak overlook everything else. It was, so to speak, his forehead was filled with sins. But there was one massive light mitzvah that was right there, a light that was shining forth from of Kibbut Av. And Esav, because he had that, Yitzchak saw this and was willing to do anything to make sure that Yitzchak Avinu would have everything he had, to overlook everything else. Because he knew, So says the Razad Amir from this Arizal, the concept of what was trying to happen and what was going to happen over here, he was trying to make sure that he was going to have something, that Esav would have something that no one else will be able to get. Let's go a little bit further when it comes to this. Sforno says, that Esav was tremendously great and didn't deserve a bracha. What Yitzchak said was, I need you to become greater. I know your kibbutz is awesome. I need you to work so hard to get this bracha, you wouldn't even imagine what you can do over here. He told them like this, work hard, spend time, go onto the field, take off your cloak, you know, the cloak that makes everything so easy for you, take it off, put it to the side. Go out there with your weapons and go out there and trap and go out there and shecht. And I want you to try hard. I want you to go into the field, not just to the goats that are around here. I want you to go far away. I want you to do as much as you possibly can. Then it Siv says it. it. Make it harder for yourself. Don't do it easily. Try hard. Rav Sturmbach says it. And the Shach said it as well. And that's the Lee that we mentioned before. Tzuda Lee Tzayid. Says the Shach. He intended Asa for Esav to do everything L'Shem Aviv. I want you to do this with me in mind. It should be different than how you've done it before. Not out your own kavod. And not out because you want to do something great for yourself. I want you to figure, I want you to think, how could I make this even harder for myself that I, so that I deserve a bracha from my father? That would be a hachana for how it's going to be for the rest of his life. He wanted Esav to do tshuva. And the only way to do tshuva is to work hard. And if you're not willing to work hard, then forget it. I'm dealing with an issue right now with a person that's out there. And I'm trying to tell them, I need you to start thinking in a certain way. If you don't start thinking in this way, there's nothing you're going to be able to do. And the person refuses to think this way, refuses to think how God could be doing something good for me. I'm like, forget, yes, there are bad things that have happened, but look at how much good. And I listed, I put a list down. I wrote about 20 things. Your HaKadosh Baruch Hu has done this, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu has done that. You're able to, just the simple things. You're able to walk. Your eyes work. 
your ears work. You, you don't, you don't, your brain works. You're able to think. You're able to talk. You're able to move. You're able to see. You're able to hear. You're able to smell. Everything works. Everything works perfectly. You've never had a problem in your life. You've never, you're healthy. Things are good. You have great parents. You have good siblings. You have good things in your life. There are friends, good friends. But there's one or two things that are bad, and they overshadow everything else. Yitzchak understood that Esav had his issues, that there were certain problems that Esav had, taivas, we'll call them, that he couldn't get over. And what he was trying to say to him is, this is what I want you to see what life is all about. Go out to the fields. Make it difficult. Make it really, really hard. Push yourself. And when you think that you can't get anything, when you can't do it, that's when I'm saying to try even harder and do it and bring it back to me and cook it. How many times do you think he was cooking? Flay the skin, chop up the bones, and put it inside the oven, and then bring it to me, and set it up for me. I know that's going to be hard. That's the point. That's what I want. And if you do that, you're going to know what the rest of life is all about. That's what he told them. And we know, at the end of the day, Esav didn't do that. Esav tried for a little bit, and then gave up, shechted a dog, and then threw it in the oven, right? And then brought it in front of Yitzchak Avinu. He couldn't handle it. He couldn't do something like this. But that's exactly where the bracha was supposed to be from. The Shach understands it. The Nitziv, Rav Sturmbach, the Sworno, they all understand it. I think the Ksav Sofer also said it. He said something so similar. He's telling them, I know it's hard. Do it anyway. And that way you'll deserve the bracha. That was the whole shot behind this. And he just couldn't do it. The Malbim, in the beautiful Malbim language, you've seen this language, he says there are three things that you need when giving a bracha to another person. Three things that are necessary when I give a bracha to somebody else. Here's the first thing. The first thing is you have to prepare the person being blessed that they can accept the bracha that you're giving them. That's number one. Number two, you have to prepare yourself that you can bless the person properly. Connecting yourself to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, getting yourself ready, opening yourself up. That's that. Preparing him, preparing yourself. And then number three, and the most important, there should be a connection between the two of us. We should find a connection between us so that the bracha can go straight through, almost like a pipeline that goes straight from me, straight to you. That's what we should do. Find something that's going to carry it from one place to the other. This is the reason why he commanded him to do the mitzvah of Kibbutz. He needed a connection to Esav that he may have had before, but he wanted a stronger one now. The thing is, he, he wants him to do this, as we said before. I want you to try hard in Kibbutz. Do the mitzvah properly. Do it lishmi, li. Put me in your head. Allow me to be the reason why you're doing everything. Do it for me and do everything. And then carry the tools of your trade. Go somewhere far. Do it properly. Think of me when you're doing it and connect me to you every time you do it and then bring it back to me i'll be so happy that you did something great for me we'll be connected through you doing this mitzvah you'll be elevated by me eating these delicious foods that you made through a mitzvah i'll be elevated and then i'll be ready to bless you'll be ready to accept and we'll be connected to each other so that the bracha goes through properly that's the idea behind it it's not like and i don't mean to downplay this it's not like the joke of a bracha that you get on friday night from your parents when it's just like and that's that it's not like that it's not like a little bracha that just happens and it's all through there has to be a connection a preparation before in order for this to go through and perhaps this is a hint for what we're supposed to do in the future on Erev Yom Kippur. Although this wasn't Erev Yom Kippur, this was not that time, it would have been around Pesach time, the night of Pesach itself, but the concept where we, that one day a year where the father goes up to the son and must give that bracha, or the mother goes up to the son, if the father's not there, to give the son this bracha, to be able to go through and say,
say Yivrech Hashem V'Yishmerecha Yirech Hashem and the whole big bracha that goes all the way through, perhaps there has to be some type of a thing they have to do before and maybe there's a preparation you need to do, both from the blesser, the blessee, and the ones in between. Maybe there's something you can do. The Chizkuni in the tour says he knew. Yitzchak knew that Esav sold his firstborn rights. I mean, it makes sense, right? If he sold his firstborn rights, that meant who was was bringing all the korbanos that they were having? The person who did it was Yaakov. So it'd be hard for Esav, it'd be hard to hide that. Yitzchak must have known that Yaakov is the Bechor and that Esav had sold the Bechor for a meal of lentils, for a bunch of lentils. So he said, I'm going to make you a kapara. You are willing to trade olam haba and a huge mitzvah for a piece of food? I'm going to make you give me a piece of food in order for you to get Olam Haba. That's what he tried to do. He thought it would be a kapara, a proper kapara that would be there. And that was the idea behind it. The Trisker Magid explains this a little bit more, the Chizkuni in the tour. He said, we know that the table of tzaddikim has become the Mizbeach. We no longer have a base of Mikdash. We no longer have a Mizbeach. We no longer have Korbanos. So you know what is Mizbeach? You know what a Korban is now? You know what it is? Sitting at a table with a tzaddik and eating properly. That's the korban that we can bring now. When you're sitting together with a tzaddik, and the tzaddik is there speaking out Dibri Torah and speaking out words of Kedusha, or even anybody speaking out words of Torah and Kedusha, and you're eating properly, making the proper brachos, brachachronas afterward, and eating in the right way, when doing such a thing, you're able to bring it up, so to speak, straight to a Baruch Hu. Esav ate lentils like a pig. Halitainina. I'm going to open up my mouth, pour it down my throat. Pour it down. I just want it thrown into me. That's what I want to eat it as. Says Yitzchak. I want to show you how a tzaddik eats. I don't know why it took him 63 years to do this, but I want to show you how a tzaddik eats. Bring me the food. I'll tell you, I'll show you how to eat food. To take the right, you know, the nice, the nice little cuts and put it up and everything like that. I once, I don't know who this was. There was a Rebbe that came to town and they asked him, what was he, what was his, proudest moment what has he done that was so great it was a town of misnagdim she said oh it wasn't the rebbe it was some chassid of the rebbe so the chassid said you know what's so great about my rebbe when my rebbe drinks soup he puts the spoon to his mouth and not his mouth to the spoon so they start laughing they said come on that's it that's the that's the kunz of the rebbe that's what the rebbe can do it's nothing that's nothing. Anybody could do that. So the rabbi of the town said, I can do it. I'll do it. I'll show everybody. So he got up there. The rabbi of the town got up there and he t- they poured the soup and everybody's watching. And he takes the soup and he takes it up and he's going and he's putting it toward his mouth. And right before he's about to put it in his mouth, he goes like, he just takes that little slide toward the spoon. Slide toward the spoon. Just a little bit. Right? So like, oh, do it again. You can do it again. He's like, nope. Now I understand how great the rabbi is. Now I understand it. You know what the shot is? When you bring the spoon to your mouth, it's like, I don't want to eat this, but a Kaddish Baruch who needs me to eat in order to do Avodah Hashem. Right? If I put my mouth to the spoon, it's like, I want to eat this. <laughs> it's like I'm running to the food as opposed, as opposed to the food going to me. Try it. Watch yourself eat. You'd be surprised how often you are leaning over the table eating like a fox. Like, <laughs> like that. You'd be shocked. You'd be shocked how often you find yourself eating that way without even realizing it. Because we eat like animals. We eat like absolute animals. To sit there, right, and go ahead and to take this stuff and to eat properly and whatever it is. You know what that means? See those drumettes over there? You don't see them anymore. You know why? Because they were eaten like animals. To Take it all and, huh, going around. That's how they do it. I once went to a restaurant. I ordered barbecue wings, right? 
I literally felt I was starting to use with a fork and knife, right, trying to cut it off. And I'm just like, you know what? I can't be Yitzchak Avinu today. (laughs) I started grabbing them. I had stuff all over. And who comes in? But my Rebbe walks right in, walks right up to me. My hands are filled with barbecue sauce. I've got like six chicken bones sticking out of my beard, right? I'm sitting there and I'm trying to eat this chicken. Everything's like coming down. And he's looking at me and he's like, oh, you're enjoying your wings? I'm like, oh, man. (laughs) <laughs> like, I feel like an animal. I feel like an absolute animal. I, that is that is what it's like eating a wing. You are an animal, and that's simply put what it is. Okay, that's, that's something we have to work on. I'm not saying that you have to use a fork and knife every single time. You can. Just know that you're an animal while doing it. As long as we know, as long as we know, that's, it's, knowledge is the best defense. We'll call it that way. The Triskurmagid says, that's the shot. I want you to have a kapara, he said to Asaph. I want you to realize what it's like. This could be a real kapara for you, and that's what it means. You will change yourself if you start eating properly. That was the concept that he told him. Say for Torah's Chaim Be'emunah. If you ask me what it is, I don't know. I bought it for 50 cents at a Skoki Yeshiva Sfarim sale six years ago. This is the first time that ever opened it up. I have no idea why I opened it up, but he brings down this board as well. He was able to bring the, make the food Kaddish and bring out all the holy sparks from within, Metake and everything that Esav had done previously. And that was the Matamim that he, ta- that he asked for. It wasn't sweet foods. It was the ability to eat properly. That's that. But now we're going to another aspect. I don't know how much we're going to be able to do over here, but at least to go through. Rabbeinu B'chayi, the Ksavaka the Be'era Torah of Moshe Moss, Rav Schwab, all say that the idea behind this was not the physical aspect of the food. He didn't want sweet foods because he wanted to eat something tasty. That wasn't the pshat. That's not what he wants. He wants to feel a stronger feeling of spirituality. And he knew that eating this meat in the proper form, knowing that it was brought to him through a mitzvah, and making the brachos properly, knowing that it was Pesach night, and he was eating the korban Pesach, so to speak, right? He felt like this was a holy convocation. He felt like this was mikra kodesh, as they call it. He was able to bring himself a little bit further that it would bring him into a higher level of Kedusha and he couldn't get there and he felt like he couldn't get there and he said to Esau I think the only way I'm going to be able to do this is getting by this itself Rav Schwab says it really really well he's able to taste sweetness from what he was being served because he knew that Esau had put it inside him that's why Yaakovinu did exactly that Yaakovinu wanted to show him I could do that as well and I could do it even better you think that Esau is filled with Kibbutz it's only because Esau is found by, him, by you because he's a batla I'm sitting in the base medrash all day I'm not serving you as well but you give me a time when I can do it, I will serve you as well and even better than Esav did. And Yaakovinu did that and one-upped Esav. And that's why when he smelled Esav, he smelled Ganeiden. Like he'd never smelled by Esav before. He smelled it by Yaakov more than he had. And then when Yaakov, when Esav comes in after Yaakov had left, he realized, oh my gosh, Yaakov was so much better. The Ganeiden of Esav smells like Gehenna. That's the difference. Yeah. Yaakov, yeah, uh, didn't give Yaakov a chance. No, when Yaakov Avinu took the chance, so to speak. They took the chance to be able to get in. But yeah, that's the idea behind of what he went in over here. Yaakov Avinu... How can can it be considered cute if you're doing it through lying and trickery? Keep it in. It was keep it in, but it wasn't keep it off. Keep it in. Yeah. There was no issue of keep it off. He didn't ask you to do something. Kibbutz definitely was applied. That's the mitzvah, that he was able to listen to the Gadol Ador, Gidol Hador, right, in order to go through and did what he was supposed to do when it came to stuff like that. The Kliakr says one last thing that we have to understand before we get to our, our final Ramazim over here. Why Yitzchak couldn't just ask for a few goats? He says, the whole shop behind eating wild animals is that it's inaccessible. It's something that's hard to do. If you have meat every single day, I'm not, again, we are living in an extremely wealthy society. If one of us wanted to have chicken or meat every single day, you would have chicken or meat every single day and would not 
really hurt your budget. It's easy to do. In our society, it's not like that. It's not like 100 years ago where like, oh, can you shech the cow for me? Oh, okay. And you had to shech the cow and then it was all done. There was no meat being, you know, you could go to Jewel and just grab a, a deli sandwich. There's no such thing. It's impossible to be able to get that thing down. Kliakr says the hope shot is to go out there and to only eat meat that's far out in the fields. So it could be, he says, the Yitzchak never ate goats. Never ate sheep, never ate cows, because they were too accessible. He would only eat venison or foods that were all the way out there in the middle of nowhere. That's all he would eat, and he only did it. He did it on purpose because he wanted to make sure that he wouldn't get used to eating so many foods, so so many fatty foods like that. He wanted to, to get rid of those meatos within him to make sure that he only ate meat once in a while, and that's that. Okay, last thing that we're going to go into. The Balaturim, the Rush, the Chizkuni, and the Dasakanim says the word Tzayid, has an extra hey at the end of the word. He says the reason why it's not pronounced is because Esav was taught the five halachos of Shechita. The hey is for the five halachos of Shechita. The five halachos of Shechita, the, one, the five things you got to take care of are Shehia, Drisa, Chalada, Hagrama, and Ikor. We can go through them, but it's going to take too long. We only have a minute over here. So it could be this is the first time that Esav learned these halachos. It could be it's not the first time. It could be they did it, but he hazard them. There's also... Five simonim of a kosher bird. Anybody know what the five simonim of the kosher bird are? It can't be a carnivore, right? The feet thing, right? Where it goes three and one. It has four four parts of its toes. Three toes and one, one and the other. It cannot be two and two, right? There is the crop. There is the korkovoniklav, this type of stomach. It's type of part of the animal, right? Korkovoniklav is this folded up part of the stomach itself inside by the innards itself, right? And sort of like, the, yeah, the gizzard is zuffic, right? And the four fingers on its wing. If they have those, then they're going to be kosher. And if not, then not. Those are the ideas behind it. There's also five simonim of a kosher animal. Now, you thought there were two, right? Two in their cut and... Split hooves. There's more. No upper canines. The Gemara and Chulin mentions that of Daf Samachalaf, right? No upper canine. Cannot have these canines right there. Those right over there. They have to have horns in some way, shape, or form. And its flesh has to be Shesi Va'arev. Shesi Va'arev means it's mixed like that, where the flesh goes like that. I do not know what that means. I, I've seen it before. I still don't get what it means. That's that. Not only that, there are five simonim for fish as well. We're not going to go into that. The Medjagada says that Tzedah actually stands for the four things that are kosher. Tzadi is Tziporin. The Yud are the ten animals listed by ten mammals that are listed as being kosher. The Dalit for Dugim. And the hay for the five simonim of locusts. Locusts have four legs, four wings, wings covering its body, called a Chagov and Karsulim. Right? I'm not so sure what Karsulim is. Yitzhak tried to teach him all these halachas, and that's how they went through to be able to go through it. But there's so much more. I, I, I'm, I'm going to just end with this because I didn't write it down in the thing itself. Soda lead side. Soda lead side. Soda, if you want to say the word tzad, right, to trap something, right? You have tzadi dalit. What's the extra letters in tzuda? Vav and hey. If you have tzayid, right, with a hey at the end, what are the extra letters? A yod and a hey. So Yud and He, Vav and He are the extra letters from the trapping. And the Pshat is, is that it should be a holy hunt. It shouldn't be just a hunt where you go out there and you do what you're supposed to do. It should be a hunt for a purpose. That's what you're doing. Whenever you go hunting, it's with a purpose. It brings down, it asks the Kasha, is it mutter to go hunting? Are you allowed to go hunting? 
And in the end, he says, not sure. There's a bunch of different things he brings down. He brings down that Ace of Nimrod are the only people that we know that go hunting. And we see, obviously, those are bad people. But he says, but we see David Amelech hunting in the Medrash. We see in the Medrash that David Amelech hunted. There was no question about that. He was trapping a deer. He was trapping a bird. There's no question about that going through. I'm sorry? No, hunting with a bow and arrow. With a bow and arrow. That's how, Yitz- that's how David Amelech was. Jews hunt by trapping and then shafting as opposed to just... Can you go hunting without the shechting involved? Just to hunt. Just to hunt. You hunt them and then what do you do once you find them? That's it. You put up the stag on top of your wall and you see how many points you have and like stick it up there. Yeah, that's what he's asking. Nobody was asking. Just regular hunting. Are you allowed to go hunting? And the answer is, it's not the right thing for a Jew to do. However, however, if you make it into a holy hunt where you can shecht it later on, then it's going to be mutter. And in that sense, he says, that's what's learned up from Tzoda Litzeda. He was trying to tell Esav to make it a Tzayid that's going to be done with Yud K Vav K involved. That's the concept. I'm sorry? Originally to the United States with trappers or furriers. So what about that? Were they trappers or furriers? Different things. You don't trap fur. Fur is on top of animals. They trap I know what you're saying. I, I would assume that they didn't do the actual trapping, that they were the ones buying the stuff, or they were getting involved in the fur trade, and they were doing something that was questionable. So you can employ people to kill for you. You just can't kill it yourself. Yeah, I don't know if it's us or – even though to you, it doesn't say it's us or. It's just not the right thing to do. Can you use it for us? I'm saying can you yeah, why not? Oh, just stop for the once you're getting involved. You know, the Nota Buda does have a paragraph on that. And I forgot what he says because I wasn't concentrating on that part. I think the answer is yes because you have a usage for it, right? And again, that's just not a holy hunt. That's not the holy hunt. All right, guys, we'll stop with that for right now.